<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you went, oh, we're cutting that out. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Everybody, how's it going? Hope you're having a good day. <laughs> this is Lasting Insight, a podcast that just brings you debatable topics. We're still trying to figure it. I don't know. We're going to talk about something. Is this a podcast? It's something. It's a video. We're talking. We're talking. And we're just going to get right into it because I don't know what else to say. Our Absolutely. topic of today is what? <laughs> All right. Our topic of today, as chosen chosen by our film guy Josh, is... Um, how much power should the uh, director have and how much power should a studio have in determining uh, what happens in a film? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a really funny topic, isn't it, Travis? Oh, just thinking of other things, man. Yeah. We're going there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's a good All topic. Right. All right, so... Uh, you had to be there. Do you have any prior opinions on this? Because it's I have not a, really... Well, I have opinions because right, it's kind of my it's not No, no, no. I, I want to see so what you can conjure up without my input. Without so. your input? Yeah. Well, I think it's a. How mix are you of... gonna half-ass your way? Sorry. Yeah, watch me squirm while I pull well, something. I think, out. you know. Right. Well, it's a. Uh, I guess it's finding the balance. You know, I like to say, preferably, I would like the director to have as much power as possible. I'd like to have the artist have the power and be able to tell the vision they can. But ultimately. If someone's paying for something, they're paying for a service, and uh, you should give them the service that they're paying for. So um, I think you know it would be it would be almost a crime if someone paid you to do something and then you don't do what they paid you to do. You know. So unfortunately, my opinion is unfortunately, um, if someone's paying you to do something, you should do what they tell you to do. Mm, that's so businesslike of you. Because you don't understand the field. What I see as a what <laughs> yeah, I see as an thanks. interference. What I see as an interference is the fact that yes, if you are basically being like, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of like you being the director and you're signing on to do with a, a specific production company to do a job to make mm -hmm. a film, whatever that may be, uh, you know, a short a short film or a feature film. Yes, there is a mutual agreement when they sign you on, basically saying like this is the project and everything. So A, B, and C, you know, mm. is what needs to be done. There's an overall goal. But the other thing is that you have to keep in mind in this sort of business, when you as a production company hire a director, they're an artist amongst many other people that are part of the film community and all these little bits. But you hire that specific director because that is the specific artist that will give you a specific and desired uh, end result to what this product, this content would be. You've, you you don't just hire a director just to hire a director. Sometimes they do that. Sometimes the directors with a really big name, uh, studios will kind of like, they'll cut corners in, in order to guarantee as much success as possible for just any 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 project they're doing. So mm -hmm. they'll hire somebody like with a well-known name, like they'll have like a Martin Scorsese or something. I'm not saying that's happened, but yeah. like uh, they'll hire like a someone like Martin Scorsese. That way they want the name put onto the products. That way people will be like, ooh, ooh, yeah, right. that guy's good, so this must be good, you know? So that's been done before. But 
usually, respectfully, how it's supposed to go is there should be an admiration for what everybody's trying to achieve. And if you're signing on someone's like a director, you've looked into them, you've done research, you know what kind of style of artist they are, what you know, what their methods are, what you you can tell from what they've done in the past, what you can expect of them, and what they're willing to try potentially different, but. And that's where they clash heads because if, if the studio doesn't do that research and they just throw someone on there, you can't expect an artist to not do what he loves, which is this art, but do it how you want it. Like it's like there's a mutual understanding that like yes, I'll work with you to make overall what you need, but I have to give it my 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 personality, my style for mm -hmm. it to be something of mine. Otherwise, I'm strictly just doing a job and just working for you and I have no say and there's no collaboration. That's the big key word is collaboration. This has to be a mutual agreement. Well, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. There has to be balance. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, how far can you go where um, you pay someone to do something and say they don't give you at all what you wanted? You know, should you be allowed to say, well... That's not. But that's a all. very vague line. What do it's you mean? so vague that because that on the concept of movies, like studios and like directors and stuff, the line of what you want is the studios, regardless of how passionate they are towards the project or not, they just want overall like they have the general idea i think of what the project is what the story is and it's like right, we want yeah. to turn this into a film that's the overall thing there's not really much that goes more in depth than that there's probably little things here and there saying i expect to see these elements in it and blah 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 so it's still the director's job to make sure that they deliver on making that story and not changing all the core elements like the characters that have been established for them to work with and like what the overall like story is and the arc and what the end results should be they shouldn't be changing anything like that it's about giving their own like directorial style and performance like they have a say in, in that so if you're changing anything that's been established before you got on the project then yeah that's on you as a director but the thing is that's that's why it's a mutual thing if you both are were thinking about working together you both pro propose to each other what you can offer what has already been established and you only should work together if you feel like you both can mutually say i can work with what we have and what we're going to have and this is the direction we're going but a studio it's like if they give you a story and it's like this is going to be the production, we want you on board and everything. At most, you're supposed to have directorial say, but you, as a director, you shouldn't be at fault unless you're basically doing stuff like, oh, I we need to shoot like we need to shoot this scene. Like the studio tells you, you need to shoot this scene for for the production. Like it's important to the story. Like that's part of the production. The producer's gone and, you know, made the appropriate, like, scheduling and all that stuff. And you're just like, no, I don't feel like it. Like, when you start dropping obligations, yeah, that's when you can get at fault. Or when you start deliberately changing elements in the story without notifying the studio or revamping, uh, or, you know, revamping it without them, without their consent, without the collaboration, then, yeah, you can get into trouble. And Because that's, that's not your right. You have a right as a creator to be like, now seeing this like live in person getting a feel for it and the build towards it it doesn't play off as well so i think we should sit down and figure out alternatives because this is starting to lean in this direction so i feel like we need to adapt and adjust that's fine mm -hmm. and you should be willing to work together to do that but if you just start making decisions without notifying anybody else and you take matters into your own hands that's the only time i can see a director being at fault but usually it's the other way around where studios are saying we need you to make this and we give you a deadline and you have a budget and if it's not working out, I don't know what to tell you. That's what we signed up for because this field is so unpredictable. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. So it really, it comes down to people butting heads just saying, you need to get our product finished. 
like I don't want to speak for all production companies because there are some like especially smaller scale ones that are very passionate but the bigger ones usually it's just they just want money yeah so, so all of that I absolutely agree with of course you so do. the points that you're making where you're saying unless the director does something like change already established themes such as yeah. that so that's what I mean like if the studio and the director come to an agreement beforehand right mm -hmm. then it's assumed they're going to follow that so then if the director then doesn't follow that in my opinion, the studio should be able to say, well, hold on, you're not following what we agreed to do. Yeah, that's fine. because Well, that's, that's what I'm saying then. Yeah, that's fine. But then again, it also comes down to like, you know how everybody knows it. There's the whole thing about signing contracts and stuff where it's like there's always like read between the lines. This is actually what we meant. So sometimes a studio is at fault for tricking people into signing up for things that... And and then well, that yeah, person the, later realized like the oh unfortunate reality yeah. of corruption. So there is that. But uh -huh. then yeah, but like I said, if there's anything down the road that they could be at fault for, which is like choosing not to do something or whatever, that's just you can't you have to have a collaboration, you have to have an understanding, you have to have where every time there's a speed bump where you feel like you don't need to do something or something needs to be changed on either side of the party, it's a matter of not saying, Hey, you need to do this, it's sitting down, figuring out what the issue is and then fixing it and again, adjusting, adapting, collabing working together but again it's not that it's literally just studio has a tendency to build a task budget and say go do it and then when things start happening they're just like gotta point a finger at somebody but you have to understand that it's very unpredictable field and you can't just put numbers and specific schedules strictly to everything because sometimes things fall through like anything that can happen will happen that's a common theme amongst video production and mm -hmm. all that stuff anywhere really and it, it does all the time so you have to be willing to work with this because this this is a, you know, making film and everything, it's art just like anything else. It's an unpredictable field, just like how all art is. It, it can be anything and it's always changing and there's no solid thing you can, there's no solid label you can like put on or solid stamp, solid way. There's no formula necessarily of 100% getting something successfully done. They're kind of... There's kind of like formulas for like storytelling, how to structure and all that stuff. There's like tips and tricks, but there's never really one way to go about do, doing something in this field. Mm -hmm. So you can't just put a package deal on everything without having some leeway, being willing to collab and work. That's the yeah, biggest thing. Definitely. It's a big problem solving industry. Yeah, no, I agree. And, 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 and you can't control artists. Like there are people, there's two different types of artists. Ones that are trying their hardest to express themselves as best they can and, and create what's supposed to be created. Mm-hmm. And there's others that are so into their own head thinking that they're God Almighty and that what their vision is is fantastic and they just start saying, you're wrong, I'm right. And they do all this stuff in order to be appeased to everybody, but it's like, it's just because I'm an artist. Like, they use that as an excuse. Those those are the people I don't like. I think you shouldn't control or limit artists. I think ideally artists should be able to do, you know, whatever they want, see their ideal vision. Yeah. But, but to a certain extent, just because... So what if you gave that power to an artist who's very big-headed, who doesn't like to listen yeah, to outside exactly. sources? Like, I don't think that type of person deserves that if, power. If someone else... Like, <clears throat> an artist, of course, should be able to do what they want to do. But the thing you have to understand is someone else's money is at stake, right? It's not yeah. the artist's money who's at yeah. stake if they're getting paid. Yeah. So that's why it's like, unfortunately, you have to you know take into consideration that even though you want to do what you want to do, your work is affecting a lot of other people, the people mm -hmm. who are commissioning you. Yeah. you know? So that's why they're, unfortunately, 
they have to abide by what people want them to do to an extent. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. No, I fully understand. And that's why I'm talking about the two different forms of artists. Uh-huh. The ones that are in that field, the ones that are successful are the ones I'm talking about where they try their hardest to <clears throat> create what they need to create to express themselves but are willing to work and collab mm-hmm. with other people. That's just how it is. Yeah. That's just how it's always been. But... <clears throat> There's just this give and take. There's this split down the middle of, I can only do so much to give you what you want in the time that you want with the budget you want. But I also need to make sure that this is something I, as an artist, can be proud of. Like, because if they're not proud of it and they don't like it, that's the other thing. Studios, if you go and you push the wrong buttons and you start, like, kind of getting borderline... Because studios can be at fault, too, for doing this. Going outrageous with requests, not considering other people. Oh, absolutely. Other parties. And then when they... and And then it it kind of is like a cause and effect situation where it, then it starts to bleed the turmoil and trouble starts to bleed into the, the end result of the product because of the fact that the people that you're paying to get this done, you're starting to kind of manipulate them and they feel that and they feel hurt. And then they start to feel a disconnect from their art because they feel like it's not theirs anymore. So then the passion is gone and therefore the quality is gone and it's noticeable. Yeah. I think, um, just like in any human relationship, the most important thing is communication. Yeah. between the studio and the director and um, coming to an understanding. You know, <coughs> as as we've pretty much been saying the whole time. Yeah. There just has to be a balance, communication and understanding between the two parties. Yeah. And, you know, I just say whoever um, goes against what they agreed to is really who's at fault. Um, I know, but there, there's no way to answer. There's no way to answer this because I don't want to say anything no, I've already said. Right, there's... But it's not one or the other. It's just finding yeah. the right balance. It's literally so circumstantial mm-hmm. that you can't outright in this conversation say, "Well, I know for a fact this person would be right in any case, and this would yeah. be wrong." It's yeah. literally the it's it's down to the minute details of the situation that can allow you to understand. And even then, people take sides and like, I don't know. There's because there's some people. It's even from the basis of the one minute detail. Who wants to follow the art? Who wants to follow the money? Yeah. If you want to follow the money, you're going to go that way. If you want to follow the art, you're going to go this way. Right. That's just how it is. Yeah. With, with everything yeah. in the media. It's everything. It's not even art. Yeah. Art's just one of the more messier ones because it's a little bit more. You're taking, you're taking business, which is a little bit more well like structured, and there's a specific way of doing things, and then you're taking something as predictable as art and trying to mix them together. Or unpredictable. Unpredictable yeah. as art. Sorry. And then and then you're trying to have. Those two complete opposite elements work together, yeah. and it's amazing that we've gotten it to work out as well as it has so far. But, but it's just yeah. it's like it's just every I see every major motion picture like film production as just like a, like a, a tornado of chaos. Just like hopefully it end, like hopefully we can survive it. Like it's just just all, everything jumbling together in one massive mess until finally you make it to the end. You're like, oh god, we did it, we did it. like. Oh, you should be relieved but exhausted at the end of every single one because it's, and proud. it's just ideally proud. you should yeah, be yeah. proud ideally if you are a director and everything that happened and you walk away from something and you're not proud that's yeah. like either you did something wrong or the studio the studio is really yeah. making you do things you didn't want to do and you're like I hate there have been times where studios gotten involved to the point where the directors really had no say so they just started kind of half-assing it the rest of the way through and then the, the, <laughs> they just say later on like I, I like. I don't even want to be associated with that. I don't want my name on that. Spider Man like, Three. Spider Man Three. And that's the exact thing. That's like a perfect example with the whole Sam Raimi 
trilogy in Spider-Man 3 because the only reason why half that stuff showed up and we got the story guys because the studio kept getting involved because they kept telling them big I believe this is what people want to see I'm like let the artist who has kind of gotten you where you need to be the past two movies take control like that once they started forcing their way in a lot that's when you could see that that's the one that dropped. Like, they kind of left him alone a little bit for the first two and everything. It's like, oh, you're doing good. But now this one's like, we really need a cash out, you know? I and agree. on a high yeah. note. The best outcome is just when you, <coughs> you let the person you hire do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Wow, that was insightful. I was expecting a longer speech. No, that's it. I'm so proud of you. All right. Well, yeah, that's pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much that. It's like a... You're still therapist. You're a therapist, but you're Forrest Gump version, Dick. That's all I have to say about that. No, not a good joke for no, you. No, that was awful. I think we'd get All right. And then we naturally segue into another topic, which is crossovers. All right, yes, yeah, so let's talk about crossovers. Because we could talk about the other um, thing all why day. Did, but... Why did this topic come up? Uh, all right, it's something I know nothing about. It's a Spider-Man. Do you know anything about this, Josh? Do you want to know oh, yeah. this? Yeah, okay, so the topic of crossovers kind of crossed our Crossed minds. our paths. They crossed over our minds. Yeah, yeah. Right over. Why is that? And it's because of the fact that recently there was a uh, trailer that dropped for the character Morbius. Many may or may not know about this one. I only know him from the 1990s cartoon Spider-Man. That's where I've gotten my research from. And uh, the reason why crossover comes uh, to mind is because we got practically confirmation from what we saw in the trailer that Morbius takes place clearly in the same cinematic universe potentially as uh, the Marvel's MCU's Tom like uh, Spider-Man with Tom Holland Jared Leto's character uh, actually coming into a face-to-face confrontation with Michael Keaton's uh, portrayal of the Vulture from Homecoming mm. Spider-Man Homecoming so clearly it's confirmation or at least they're trying to have it be confirmation that all of these movies are sharing the same universe so it's interesting so. it's interesting but the movie looks so when it, well, this, Venom's hat, an this hat is slowly right? coming off my head venom's not a true villain right he's more of an anti-hero well he's been depicted as a as a as a as a villain and as an anti-hero but as in recent things that have come out especially with the venom movie yeah he seemed like an anti-hero because you need him to fight somebody yeah so but um who did he fight in the movie by the way i didn't see it I forget what was his name like toxic or something (laughs) but um yeah it's very interesting just the idea of crossovers and plus it's a very it's a very big thing now like most uh comic book movies are tending to try to do that because you know they're trying to recreate the avengers thing where they can do the whole cash in where it's like they can get everybody successful so yeah yeah, yeah. but how like how it's you know doing it so much to a point where it's like i don't know are we going to get tired of it i'm kind of if the fan theory is true and there's going to be like a whole building up a Sinister Six eventually, I'd watch it as long as the movies are good, but they've already started off kind of uh, with Venom and stuff. But I'm leering away. The main thing is, this makes us think of crossovers and we got to think a little iffy on what this crossover might look like, how well it's going to play out, but then it makes you wonder about crossovers that have happened in the past and what our favorites are. You've already listed one. Me? Yeah. What did I list? You know what you listed. I don't, actually. You said it to Josh earlier. Jimmy Neutron? Josh said that. I didn't say that. Oh, he said that you said that. Who's saying things Um, here? My favorite crossover of all time is definitely the the Smash Bros. series. And I mean... (laughs) The Smash Bros. series. How can you go wrong with that? If you told somebody 20 years ago, 
Yeah, you're gonna see Solid Snake like throwing hands with Pac-Man. They probably be literally like, nah. throwing his hands because yeah, just... that's his ability now. It's just crazy. They've got the new game. I think has almost eighty characters now. It's like eighty characters. It's crazy. That's, that's a big selection. That's easily board. my favorite crossover of all time. Of course it is. I tried getting into it. It's just I don't, I don't know where my guy is ever on the screen. Oh yeah. Ever. 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 Well, you played. Um, did you like Injustice? Yeah. Injustice is a crossover, but it's a less. Uh, yeah. It's think, all. DC. There's literally okay here. here I think the Mortal Kombat DC is a better example of a crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um? Injustice is like a, is not a crossover. It's just like a superhero, well, but in, with a. It's Mortal as Kombat much aesthetic. a crossover as the Avengers is. It's as much a crossover as yeah. Morbius and Spider Man is. It's just all in the DC universe, whereas you know Mortal Kombat with DC is a bigger crossover. Yeah, I think we want to try to look at ones where it's like clearly two opposite things that are coming together not just things in the same universe kind of interacting so I think in this aspect of it so if we if we start with the subject of video games that's a good one uh, Marvel that's, versus Capcom yeah but the good example of Mortal Kombat versus DC it's a good example that game does suck though I haven't played it it sucks and I'm not the only one I'm pretty sure other people will agree with that one I had fun with it if you would you would I'm not a video game person you simpleton you simple and ton. You simple ton. There's other video game crossovers I'm trying to remember. They're so they're so interesting when they, they you have ones um, where it necessarily they're, they're crossovers, but in the bleakest form, where it's like it's like people from other cinematic universes just making cameos, whether they're very subtle mm-hmm. and whatnot, which is which is pretty interesting. And then you have stuff like TV, which comes into play with the Jimmy Neutron and and uh, Timmy Turner, which I loved as a kid. I liked it just because it was a crossover. You know, when I was a kid, any any two characters that weren't supposed to meet meeting was amazing to me. You yeah, you liked you liked that. This isn't allowed. Yeah, this is this is taboo. So it's it's more arousing to me. Um, It's arousing. More arousing. Um, There was one I liked better than the Jimmy Timmy one that Cartoon Network. Jimmy Timmy. And they had um, it was like Grim Adventures, Ed Ed Nettie. Um, oh, they did they cross, did show didn't they? they? Yeah, showed up they did. There was like a lot of Cartoon really? Network shows in there. What? Really? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I just realized that. Um, I I only saw it like once. It was hard to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was really good. I would like to see that. Again. Ed and Nettie. Oh, that's that's a rough. One. But, see, yeah. but seeing Ed and Nettie like interact with like Grimm, it's like this is not supposed to happen. Yeah, right. And it's amazing. I love it. Oh, all those classic shows that you you know are in your head, but you forget about them, and you yeah. realize when somebody brings up the name, you go, oh, yeah. Like, there's that that light bulb of, I remember that time. Mm-hmm. There's the other one, um, um, not the other one, with the Jimmy Neutron, the Jimmy and Timmy. First off, two things. I think they did the crossover for three reasons, actually. Because one, Jimmy and Timmy, it's like, hmm, clever. Two, they're practically like, it's kind of the same thing. They both have like a main character who's like a, a, a young, young adolescent, like brown-haired kid. So it's like practically doing the same thing here. And three, it was it. There was a. They knew that there was an interest, and it was because I didn't know I wanted it until it happened. Where I wanted to see Jimmy Neutron go two-dimensional, and then Timmy go three-dimensional. Like it was. I was just something about it. Seeing that, I was just like, once it happened, and I was watching it, I was like. Somehow, this is something I always wanted, but I didn't know until now. Like, I want, I was, there was a curiosity I just realized I had yeah. for that once I saw the answer. Didn't Timmy get with Cindy in that one? Dude, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he did. Timmy didn't, was yeah. just throwing, Timmy, 
throwing dick everywhere. Dude, Timmy was ready to get with any girl. I mean, he had a thing for Trixie, right? But he was he was ready to get with anyone who would give him. Attention. But to be fair, there was there was that one episode where he all the other people in the world disappeared, so it just had her, and she got super like a leechy, and he's just like, "I'm good." <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't remember that specifically. Yeah, so. It's actually in thinking about it now, it's like. Timmy has these fantasy powers because there's fairies, right? Yeah. But the Jimmy Neutron Magical. world... Magical. Yeah, magic, right? But the Jimmy Neutron world was actually completely normal. Jimmy was just... Well, wait for it. Like, <laughs> Hear me out. Everything that Jimmy did was under the guise of, oh, he's just so smart that he can invent this yeah. scientifically possible device. Yeah. So it was interesting. They had a mix of... Like, Jimmy would say, oh, magic doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way that exists. Mm-hmm. And then they mix these worlds where yeah, it yeah, does yeah. exist. So it's it's an odd dynamic. Yeah, but again, they're so both out there so much. Yeah. That's like, they're, it's, they're almost the exact same thing. So yeah, Timmy has the ability to be like, I wish for this, and it pops up. Jimmy's is just, it's just, I need to create this. And they do five-second montage, and then it's created. Or like he has it he come a brain out of his watch. Blast. So, like, it's just, like, they both worked exactly the same. They just went about it differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never had it. Well, they did. They never... There's been moments where they had to put that to the test where it's, like, uh, they would always have it where if Jimmy wished for something and it was so bad, but um, he could never wish for it back, there was always a way for him. Like, he had to take matters into his own hands to fix it. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't be... It would be easy to cause a problem, but it would be actually difficult to solve it, and that would be the whole episode. Then Jimmy was the same... Way it was similar, think, yeah. yeah. I think that that's just good storytelling. But then the other one was like he could easily build something, but then when he was in a dire situation, maybe he didn't have any resources. Like you have to really kind of use your head and bring blast and all that stuff. So they had they're so similar in concept, but just seeing those two worlds crossover, they have because they're so similar. It's like seeing people that you feel like you watch these two and you love them both, and you see they're similar, and you're just like, I want to see that person interact with that person. I feel like there'd be something there, and I think they caught on to that, and they just did it, and it was, it was good. It was one of my favorite things. Yeah. Did Nick ever do any other crossovers? I don't. Know. Oh, um, I feel like they did something with Kim, Kim Possible, and someone. Else. I feel like did Kim Possible did do something with Lilo and Stitch? I feel Lilo like that was a Stitch? thing. Maybe. I feel like that I don't was recall a, this I, at all. A the like one I do remember was um, what was it? Zach and Cody and that's a Raven. Oh, oh my god! They, they did that. that. Yeah, Zach and Cody. Yes, did that's a Raven. They also even had one where it was kind of like a special, like two part episode. And it was like the High School Musical, um, the High Ooh. School Musical like universe w- caused like they had that exist in the same realm. That was the only other thing I remember. I remember as a little kid, I had a major crush on Ashley Tisdale. So when she started kissing Troy Bolton, I'm like, I'm so much better than that guy. Jesus, God. I said, went, God. Yeah, definitely. I scoffed as I said, I never God. watched any of those Disney shows, so I don't know. You know what's, you know what's an interesting crossover? Mm-hmm. Wreck-It Ralph. I haven't seen it yet. The, especially the second one that has all those. I didn't see Can the I second one. Can I point something out? I did see the first one, and I, I agree. I'm going to say know. this. like I'm missing out again. This is the second time now in literally 24 hours that... Wreck-It Ralph has come up in conversation where I, like, I should have watched it by now because it would have helped me. Mm-hmm. This is one of those scenarios where it helped me if I watched it. I, literally at the beginning like of like last week, I was trying to find someone to watch. I was this close to doing Wreck-It Ralph, but then I did another option. Now I feel like it was destiny for me to have watched yeah. that, but now I screwed everything What up. did you watch instead? <sighs> wow. Uh, 
I guess it wasn't that good. Oh no, I watched Utopia because that's oh, why. See, it's, I love that movie. Yeah, that's why I did it. It was between those two, and then I only watched Utopia because Cal said it was good. I'm like, Cal, did never... you like it? Yeah, I did. Okay, so Wreck It Ralph is just like we can't really talk about it because I do want to watch it and I do want to see it. Okay, well, I'm just gonna say it's like Shrek, but not as good. So, well, then why would you watch it? Exactly, because Shrek is the best movie ever made. <laughs> I like how you went. Give me the side eye, Vic. You know, you you know. Well, Shrek, yeah, but then and then Shrek two, surprisingly good. Shrek two is decent. I thought it was just as good as the first one. I did one, not honestly. think it was just as good. Because I, I need a hero. I'm with Cal, Shrek is incredible. Shrek two is good. But, yes, yes. I'm holding up for a hero. Great scene. Great scene. You haven't seen it well. Let's do the whole quadrilogy. Yeah. Quadrilogy. Dude, but once they had the third and the fourth one, that's when they started like, ugh. The fourth one was, well, God. Yeah, the fourth one wasn't great. Um, You know what? That's another good example of crossovers. The Shrek movies. Bringing in all the princesses and fairly fairy odd creatures. Yeah, these fairy tales that no longer have copyright. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing. No, but that's the thing. It's, I don't, it's, it's a thinner version of crossover because of the fact that it's all these people that have been established before in the Disney realm so i guess they have their own world yes shrek kind of broke the barrier they just they made a a, meta yeah they made it meta they just said this this world everything you're talking about yeah they all share the same world it's just it's just the it's it's how do you describe it they're all living on the same planet like it's just but it's it's so modern but yet old they live in kind of a medieval-ish feel yeah. type and of time. And then they make pop culture references. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, to the point where, though, yeah, it's just it's so good because you never expect it, and that's what makes it so goddamn hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sh- that's what Shrek did. It just turned this in for the sake of creating a character that had this, this, is melancholy the word for it? No, that's oh, sad. For Shrek. Yeah. Um. Well, he had a little bit of that. He didn't show it at first, but he had it because yeah. he was lonely. Yeah. He was mostly grumpy at the beginning, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solitary. But I just and like how they, that's they chose. They did the cross. They decided to just take everything. Like they, they said, to help understand this and make this character unique. This is the world we've we we've thrown up. We've upchucked this yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy world to put him in, and then there you go. Like it's just it works. It's just, it's just so good. So good. So yeah, Wreck It Ralph. I liked it, but the whole time I was thinking, ah, oh, this is very similar to Shrek, and it's just not as good as Shrek. I've seen snippets, but uh-huh. I haven't watched the movie, and I, I, I do see that in a lot. It's just like when you watch ones that just really stay with you, like the the golden ones that people are going to remember for years. Then you try to watch other ones that are similar to it or yeah. trying to be it, yeah. and you're just like, dude, you can't mess with the. OG. Yeah, you can't. A good right? example is, I'm just saying, Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Yay, nay. I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's kind of enjoyable. Shut up. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Thank you. Oh. All right, so I'm going to talk to him for a second. Okay. <laughs> they tra- When they made, remade Grinch, the animated one with Benedict Cumberbatch, love that Benedict Cumberbatch is not against him. It, so. You shouldn't, because I tried, wa- I tried, I keep a tradition with my family where we try to sit down Christmas Eve and watch a movie before we all go to bed. Mm-hmm. I decided to try something new instead of watching ones we've seen before, watch a new one, so we chose The Grinch. Worst decision of my fucking life. It was awful. Every every turn, I'm sitting here going, Jim Carrey did it better. The story was not that... But uh, it wasn't even just the performance. It was the story wasn't that great. It felt like a more rushed, half-assed version of what Jim Carrey's, like, was. And it was just like... Ah, just sucked. I was so underwhelmed. It's because my expectations were so high, but that movie was less than good, so the difference was really drastic. I was like, Ugh. I had, I haven't seen it, but you know what I saw was just 
It looked bad. I it was one of those things where I had no intention of watching it, but I was in the Christmas spirit. We yeah. wanted to watch something new. That's the only thing I had access like to at that moment. I'm like, and then there was a big benefit of the doubt. It was I was yeah, in the giving yeah, mood. Yeah, yeah. I was in the I was giving, in giving mood. <laughs> so I'll give it my time and never again. I'm gonna stick to my judgments of if I think it's shit, it gonna be shit. All right. It's usually how it works. Well, if you like the Grinch, I guess I'll ask both of you. Do you like the Cat in the Hat? Yes, Mike Myers. No, it's terrible. What? I thought it was so fun. Again, I even had the game. I had the game, and that was fun. The game was like insane. It was very bizarre. But very, it was fun. Very bizarre. Oh um, yeah! So, like that whole thing. Th- those two movies are very similar to me. I think they're like bad movies, but they're enjoyable to watch. That's just my. See, opinion. I think the Grinch is good. Actually, good. I think the Cat in the Hat is bad, but it's entertaining. Okay. Regardless, I love both. Alright. I'll borderline tell you that maybe in comparison... There's a scene where they advertise for Universal Studios. In which... In right. the Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Okay. I think... Yeah, I don't think Cat in the Hat is as strong as a Grinch for that reason. Like, the story is not as good, but I still think it's a pretty decent story. J- just in general. I, mean, I don't the think... The story is like, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's just funny. You know? I know. I just enjoy it. Yeah. Can I be so simple? See, my problem is the cat in the hat feels just like someone took Dr. Seuss and turned it into a a, a parody of that, whereas The Grinch mm. feels like an actual movie with heart. That's true. Solid. I can appreciate that and understand where you're coming from there. I mean, but who can't love the whole, like, he he's, you know, cat in the hat, he's pretending, he's talking to himself, he's on a talk show, and he ends up cutting off his tail, and he's like, son of a... And it just goes to the hang in there, baby. The one the one scene I do like is when he's doing the, the dance with the, the things on his... No, I hate that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's disgusting. It's terrible, hey, but it's... Really that's tasteful, fun. and you know it. It's really gross, it's but it's... It makes Especially sense. when he's, like, tying his tail on the table, he's like, I'm just saying, we have a case. Oh. There's a scene, there's a scene, and I never caught this the first time I watched it, but um, there's a scene where uh, the cat in the hat and the two kids, they're going down this like slip and slide thing, right? Mm. And I never caught this, but it it came up in a YouTube video that was kind of assessing cat in the hat moments. The cat in the hat is going down the slip and slide while looking at the camera, and he's got a porn magazine open. Wait, does he? Yeah, and he's just looking at the camera like, oops, like I didn't expect you to catch this. I'm like, what the heck? Like, it's like not oh. like, totally naked porn, but it's like, you know. like Yeah, yeah. you know, it's one of those things, oh. I wouldn't be surprised because it's one of those things where when you watch as a kid, there's references you don't get because yeah, they yeah, throw yeah. references for adults. And then, but that's what makes these movies so good because you watch them as a kid, you love them as a kid, and then you go back and watch them again when you're older and you're getting sh- stuff yeah. like you didn't get before. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is good. It's two birds, one stone, yeah, man. Like, like when he sees a picture of the kid's mother and his hat goes up straight. Oh, yeah. and it's like, oh, man. Yeah. It's awful. It's a mess. And then he opened it up like there was more. No, there was more. There were more there angles were to it. There were some secret pictures in there. There were some secret pictures. That's the mom's fault. That's not his fault. Yeah. Who does that? That's poor parenting. Who does that? Does exactly. anyone do, does anyone do that? Does anyone have secret pictures under their normal pictures? Like in a- Nobody has pictures, period, because we are on our phone. Got okay. you. Yeah. We have them in albums on our phone. Like oh, there. right. Get with the time. I'm sorry. I'm still in the cat and hat age. I'm saying I still got... But seriously? Early 2000s. Seriously? I completely forgot about the game until we started talking about this. I'm going to find it now. It's actually entertaining. I actually remembered it being kind of difficult to play like at a certain point. I just remember it being very um, psychedelic. It was like so bizarre. Dude, you can get so high and play it. But you should be clear-minded because it's 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 a challenge. It's difficult. Harder than Dark Souls. I don't know. I just remember... (laughs) Oh, boy. Don't even get me started on that. They have a whole other game, I think, coming out that's like Dark Souls is based. Oh no, no, no! They should make a Doctor Seuss crossover. They should make a Doctor Seuss crossover. What for Dark Souls? 
For Dark Souls? Like, no, a no. movie with all the Dr. Seuss yeah, characters the Lorax, in the world. The cat, yeah, the Lorax, the, the cat, the Grinch. But playing a cat in the hat game that is aesthetically like Dark Souls, like it's like it plays the same way. And every time you kill somebody, he's like, oh yeah! Like, you know that thing. It's not even like, that's not even a cat in the hat thing. That's a Mike Myers yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> it just it doesn't even match anymore. Oh man. That would be interesting. A potential crossover would be all those, but I don't know if I would necessarily care because I didn't really care for like the Lorax and stuff. Me neither, but I just like crossovers. If it would be live, oh, if it would be live action with Jim Carrey and Mike Myers cat, oh my god, I would watch that. Those That'd two going at crazy. it. Wait, they fight each other. Well, maybe they at some fight point, each other and then talking to each other. Yeah, 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 that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. No, just having them together. That would be so. Oh, that's slice of life. That would be amazing. Get on it, whoever can do it. I don't know if I want that as a movie. I'd want that as an SNL skit. No, no, no. I want movie. I want, want two hours of that. Yeah, yes. I could watch two hours of that. Yes. No, because if they do an, watch a five minute if they do an yeah. SNL skit, it's going to be too short. And also, I feel like SNL has been lacking the past few years. They're going to kind of half-ass it. I want full production. I want full fleshed out, like you know, story for these characters. And I, you want Jim Carrey and Mike Myers. Yes, I want and I want those. I want those hidden jokes. I want every line to be thought out, like every movie did. Because like I just I want to watch it. Going, <laughs> Yeah, woo! If they go head to head or something, like it'd be kind of funny too. But I would love that. Whoever is able to make that possible, get on it. It's gonna be kind of hard because I don't think Mike Myers acts anymore, or wants to, maybe, or wants to. And then Jim Carrey's <laughs> the same way. He's more of an artist. Now. Yeah. If there's any role they want to leave behind, it's probably those roles. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Well, that's the other thing. Jim Carrey wouldn't want to do it because it was torture, literal torture for him to get into that suit. Oh, yeah, they could looks... probably do it better. We got you, Jim. I don't, but they do. Do that. Get on it. Hey, whoever is listening to this, you should let us know if that would be an interesting crossover, the Jim Carrey, uh, uh, Grinch, and then the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat. And also, tell us any crossovers that you potentially like or would potentially love to see. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for Lasting Insight. I'm Travis. I'm Cal. And until next time, let this insight last with you. Oh! I'm Therapist! Yeah, okay, I guess you can say that one.